you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today I'm excited to have Ruben Alvarez. And we're going to be talking about creating killer three-second hooks. Now, this is a, a conversation that is going to be near and dear to my heart. It is something that I have taught. It's also something I am restudying for my company, RTI Publishing, because I, I really believe that, you know, this is something that progresses over time. It doesn't, you just do it once and then it's the same forever. But so I'm so excited to have this conversation with Ruben. Now, he is a brand consultant and author. His primary message is sales will bring you money but brand will bring you legacy. He has been featured in Forbes, Business Insider, Yahoo Finance News, Los Angeles Tribune, LA Style Magazine, Disrupt, Thrive Global, and many more for his tactics regarding brand development. Ruben is an advocate for businesses and people to create a magnetic brand in which the client comes to you. Welcome to the show, Ruben. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. I'm excited to get into this as well, just because you said that you're you're relearning and, and studying it again. And, you know, it, it is such a amazing thing, the three second hook and what actually captures people's attention that if you are willing to relearn it over and over, you become really good at it. So, well, the thing I've learned is my business changes over time mm -hmm. and the yeah. hooks need to change to reflect where I'm currently at in business. So I think we're going to have a really good conversation here. But Absolutely. first, I just want to give the audience a quick chance to know you. This is your first time on the Author to Authority podcast. So please take a few minutes, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your story. And how did you become this so extraordinarily prolifically well known brand consultant? Yeah, it, it starts off very funny because I didn't start in the marketing or branding space, right? Mm -hmm. I believe that in order to be a good marketer and, and somebody who's good at branding, you need to have good, a really, really good understanding of human psychology to, to begin with. But in order to have a good understanding of human psychology, I believe that it's also a really good place to start with in sales, right? If, if you can understand sales, it helps you understand human psychology a lot faster because it's mm -hmm. more of the repetition of how many people you can meet and then starting to be able to see yeah. how much you can put out. And from there, you look at the patterns. And then if there's a pattern, then you kind of go based off on that pattern, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so where I started off 
I I started in Subway was my first job actually, and I realized I didn't like it because you know <laughs> bad hours they treat you like you're you're dispensable right like you're coming into work which happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was halfway there. I have no money. I have no gas. Getting there, they're like, oh, we don't need you anymore. I'm like, I already spent money on gas. You know what I mean? Like, and so they they didn't care. So well, they I, I let left. me work this shift and make exactly. My money let back. me just make my seven dollars, right? Like, let me just zero out at least and not be in the negative. But that didn't work. I went into manufacturing with my dad and I was cutting these bushings for the car, right? Like things that yep. go in the, the, for handling. And, um, I stayed there for about, you know, two to three months, uh, full for 40 hours, thousand dollar paycheck every month. That was it. Like this sucks. I don't like this. Uh, I decided to go into culinary culinary was something that I really enjoyed. It gave me some really, really good skills. Actually. Um, it taught me that life and and the kitchen goes on without you and you have a team and, and they're expecting you to work. And so usually it was two of us, sometimes three of us. Somebody got cut. If there's three of you, you put them behind, but it's all right. When there's two of you, you put everybody behind. If you're by yourself and you cut yourself, there is nobody else. The whole restaurant stops. So you keep working. Yes. So it showed me some good skills, but I ended up uh, learning. I like, I like eating. I don't like cooking. So I went into mm-hmm. another job, which is the one that actually taught me the, the, the marketing skills. Uh, I went to manufacturing and from there, took about seven years, but I went from tech support three months into sales. And then about two years, I went from sales to sales manager. About five years in, I went to sales and marketing manager. And then at seven years, when I thought everything was going really well, I thought I was going to make partner. The owner sells the company, says, thank you, gives me $5,000 and moves on. And I'm like, damn. So that, that's pretty much what happened. I started my own business after that. Um, I got a coach. Coach said, hey, look, you paid me about $5,000. Here's how you can make your money back. Start a business, write everything off. You get your money back. Boom. I wanted to do it for real, right? I want to do it for real. So uh, when I started the business, I made a list of everything that I could do. Mm-hmm. And I started crossing off all the ones that I thought I couldn't. And so we landed up on social media marketing. I think I was watching a lot of Grant Cardone back in the days. And he was even saying like, hey, man, just find somebody who's going to pay you five, 1500 bucks to not do it because they don't understand it. You know, like the, the, the boomers, right? The people that are willing mm-hmm. to sell their company, but they just need somebody to do it. So we started doing that. And then that pretty much led me to, to where we're at now. I mean, there's a lot more, but you know, kind of that's, that's where everything started off. Mm -hmm. I love that you, you have not been afraid to try so many different things in life. And I think that is a characteristic of a good entrepreneur. You know, when I look at my own journey, I did not start out as a publisher. I you know, I was a housewife looking to get a little side business yeah. to help support the family. So, you know, while my husband worked and I had made the choice to stay home, you know, I didn't have to stay home, but we made the choice because we felt it was best for the kids. And, you know, I didn't realize all those years ago that one day I would become a full scale publisher. That wasn't even in my wheelhouse. I just went kind of from business to different business and found myself here and this is home. And I think that's, you know, part of the entrepreneurial journey is sometimes you don't get it right the first time. You have to try a few different things till you figure out where you fit in and where your love and your passion is. Yeah. You know, part of it, I think too, was my mom and and anybody who's listening right now, I think that there's a great lesson here. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom, she taught me two different ways, right? The first way was she wanted me to learn kind of how to cook and we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So I didn't want to cook. And then eventually she got it out of me and I said, Hey, well, if I mess this up, we don't have money to buy it again. You know? And she goes, no, no, don't worry about it. Like we can always buy it again, you know? And so that, that was the first time. But the second time my mom would always save money and she would have, I don't know, like 10, $12,000 saved up. And again, single mom. Right. And that was, that was commendable in, in its own, but then the money would go away. 
And then the money would come back and she would always say, Hey, look, money always comes and goes like, you don't have to worry about money. It's always there. Like even, even when you don't have it for some reason, like three months from now, you'll have money and then you won't, and then you will, and then you won't, and then you will. So I think that that really gave me the freedom, right. As somebody who, mm-hmm. who single mom, limited resources and everything, she has money. Why, why would it be that I can't take a risk and spend it all and then just get it back? Why, why would that not be possible? And I think that when you, when you have these, different mindsets towards things you don't Mm -hmm. see scarcity in money and saying hey i can't go out and and be a chef and then get it wrong and then try to pay back over time so i got a question for you because now you've got me curious yeah what did your mom do with that 10 to twelve thousand dollars because you said it came and it went (laughs) so again it was just always different things one of them would be like she would have the money and then we were living God, I don't even remember where we were living before a mobile home park, but we were living somewhere. And so somebody sold the the mobile home to her for $4,000 cash. And these were like forty to $50,000 mobile homes, you know? And so she's like, yeah, for sure, right? Like, here you go. And so then it was gone. And then the next thing was like, I need $4,000 for a car when I was old. And she's like, here you go. And then it's gone. And so it was always something. It was always something that that came up, right? And so I've, I've been learning that as well. It's you know, the, the problem with savings is that something will always come up. And when you don't have it, you can't buy it. But the moment that you have it, you can buy it. So you really have to think like, why, why am I saving money? Or should I just really be investing this money into the stuff that I that I want? Or should I, should I be having a plan of why I need this money in the beginning? Because if not, something will happen, right? Like I have a savings, boom, broke my leg, flat tire. All, you know, everything just starts happening. The moment you have money, all of a sudden, all four tires need to be replaced, right? And then the gutters break. And, and it's like, so you never end up putting it towards the things that could actually help you grow. But for some reason, when you have like an influx of $5,000 and you're mm-hmm. like, you know what, I need, I need a new computer because this one's too slow and I need to process things a lot faster and it could help me. And so you put it towards the computer for some reason, the tires never pop. It's just, it's really weird the way that it works that way. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I want to move into the next segment here yeah. and I want to let you loose to talk about creating killer three second hooks. So I want you to share what's on your heart there and then uh, we'll talk about it. Yeah. So three seconds, you know, I, I talk about this quite a bit in, in the early 2000s, like 2002, I believe mm-hmm. it was two minutes and 30 seconds. That's what you would get before somebody <laughs> would skip over. And it's, oh my God, that would be amazing. Right. So what ends up happening is that as time progresses, people's attention spans, they start to shift and they start to change. And then a new app comes out and all these things happen, right? What's cool is that even though it is three seconds on a lot of platforms um, on places like LinkedIn, they haven't been conditioned to that as much, right? Because the Mm -hmm. platform hasn't really manipulated itself for that. So you still have a little bit more time before somebody skips your video on there. And so what it is more than a three second hook, it's how much time do I have to engage somebody before they decide mm-hmm. that they want to move on and they don't care about my my content? And mm-hmm. so that is the major pain point that we learned to solve is how can you get somebody to actually care about what you're posting so that that way all the time that you put into your content, it just doesn't go to waste. And so that's yeah. that's a huge pain point, right? Like I, if yeah. I tell you, hey, I do social media management, you're like, I can do social media management. You'd be saving me an hour of my time. But if I say, hey, look, I can get you in front of maybe the same amount of people, but those people will actually care and they'll stop and they'll engage and they might buy from you one day. You're like, okay, that, that actually saves me a lot of time because now I'm not wasting time on planning the content. I'm not wasting time on yeah. setting up my camera. 
I'm not wasting time on the editing. I'm not wasting time on how it should be edited. I'm not wasting time on what I should write. I'm not wasting time on the hashtags. I'm not wasting time on why they're going to comment. I'm not wasting time on any of that. And then I still get a result. So there's so much more that goes into it. And so we started really thinking, how can we actually help people? Not how can we provide a convenient service? And I think that that's where the three second hook really comes into play and why human psychology comes into it so much. Because I truly believe that even though people see patterns, they choose to ignore them. And that is why social media is so hard for a lot of people because it's all there, right? Like if you post one post a day and you see that you're only getting three likes every single day, you must see that there's a pattern of why it's not working great. Mm -hmm. If you spend an hour on Instagram and you go on the Reels tab, you would see that people are creating a specific way. But it's because we really don't want to do those things and we choose to ignore the pattern. So when it comes to three second hooks, I would say, one, no human psychology. Two, words really matter. The words that you choose to say matter more than anything that you can actually imagine. If I say the word fire, rich, wealthy, lose a million dollars, all of a sudden it makes, boom, why? Here's the reason you're going to go broke in a year. Oh, why? Why would I go broke in a year, right? But if I say you're losing $10 a day and that's going to leave you broke, you're like, no. But if I say you're going to go broke in a year, you're thinking, I don't want to go broke in a year. What am I doing wrong? What does this guy know? Who the hell is this guy? Why is he even saying? So everything that you put and how you say and the way you say it and the way you dress on camera, the way you present yourself, if you look tired, if there's no lighting, everything. That's what plays into your three second hooks. And that's what makes people care about your your content or not. Yeah. Wow. I I loved what you said there about no human psychology. And then it's the words that matter. Absolutely. Obviously, I'm the extraordinary word ninja, so I spend a lot of time with words. And I've learned that they are powerful, and how you put them together matters. Mm-hmm. Even a comma can make the hugest difference in the world. And I wish right now there's a couple of sentences that if you read them one way, it means one thing. You put the comma in, and all of a sudden, it almost has the exact opposite meaning just because of where you place the comma and the word pauses there's a couple really famous ones and i wish i could remember them but it is so critical it is the words that matter so i would love for you to go into a little bit more detail now about how do you create that killer three second hook what are some of the elements of making it really strong yeah so one create a list of words that you yourself would stop for, right? Yeah, because let's say that you're trying to say something like, this will hurt you, right? And so you're like, hmm, hurt. I wouldn't stop for hurt, right? But then you go, this one piece of content could destroy everything that you're doing. Oh, destroy, right? This could be devastating to your company. And so when you start looking at the words, make a list of words, right? And so that way you can always go back to those words because it's true, like you can reuse them over and over. You don't have to change a lot of stuff, right? So that could be number two. Don't don't change what works. Keep growing what works, okay? So you're going to want to use the words. You're going to want to grow what works. You're going to want to know the audience and why they're actually there, right? Because a lot of people try to throw a net so big that they end up hitting nobody. So the audience, for example, if you are a financial advisor, I wouldn't start going with, um, you know, really, really deep stuff like 401k structured for someone who's making under 40k could lead to bad results if you don't know that you should be writing off your kids. But if you don't have kids, right? So it's like, it's too far. But if you say something like, 
as a financial advisor, I see people make these three mistakes with their money. Mm-hmm. Very easy right there, right? Because it, it's like, what three mistakes? Money, okay, that, that applies to me, I'm, I'm right? But you're still going for the people who are worried about money. You're not going to get the, the 17-year-olds, but you know your audience at that point, right? Yeah. What else could they care about? They care about money. They could also care about the market, whether it's up or down, right? So it's like, hey, look, most people are putting their money in a 401k, but it has gone down 5%. Here's some things that you can do while the market level like levels itself, by the way, non-financial advice, blah, 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 whatever disclaimers you want to put. But you know your audience, okay? The fourth thing, mm-hmm. we kind of mentioned this already. It's your lighting, it's your presentation, the way you look, right? Yeah. Your the way that you talk. If you're saying a lot of ums, buts, if you see like you're like looking back and forth, lost, <laughs> you lose the audience. So more of the presentation, the actual visual parts of yeah. content really matter. Okay. This applies to pictures too and graphics. What I see people do with pictures and graphics boom, there's wording here and then there's wording at the bottom and then there's wording on the side and then here and then I have my face and literally you can barely even see my face because there's words around it. They overpromote. And the thing is that most people don't look at the graphic to get information. You engage them with the graphic so that they can read the content. And so it's the same with the visuals of reels and three second hooks. They're buying into you within the first three seconds. And I'm not saying that people who look better get better results than people who don't. What I'm saying is that people who try harder get better results than people who don't. And so that's the main thing because I know somebody's going to have an excuse, right? Oh, I don't look good. And, and you know, I don't, I don't, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it doesn't matter. If you try hard, you get good results. It's when you don't try and you go, the lightning is good enough. And then it bombs and you're like, why did it bomb? People aren't fair. It's because I don't look good. No, it's because you didn't buy a ring light. That's the reality of it. It's because you didn't think that maybe you could go buy a window. And you see how the lighting changes right by the window? It's because we don't think of those things. And so it's easier for us to complain. So for three-second hooks, I would recommend those things. I would also recommend just knowing why you stop scrolling as well when you're when you're on like Instagram or TikTok mm. or any of the feeds. What made you stop scrolling? And if you can identify that, you'll you'll make really good content. It's funny that you talk about even some of the basics of just having like a good background. If you're listening on the podcast, like I'm almost off the screen right now and you can't even see them. Be be center, be. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to give a little bit of advice too right here, just because you said that. Making videos this close to the camera, right? (laughs) Expecting people to engage with your stuff. It's creepy. It's weird. It's too much face. right? It's too personal. Like who, when, when would you ever go to a party, right? And say hi to someone and then just stay right here. Hey man, what's going on? How are you? Right? Like, it's just, you wouldn't do that. And, and I, I don't know, it's little things that make sense in real life, but on camera, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look at the camera. How many people like are looking down, they're looking sides. Now, generally when I do these recordings i am looking at you so it looks like i'm looking sideways because i'm yes watching you and, and talking to you and it's kind of i can't look at the camera and actually see what you're doing at the same time <laughs> it doesn't work that way but if i'm just talking myself i look straight forward into the camera i don't look sideways i you know i want that eye contact yes i want people to feel like i'm talking to them by a microphone and it doesn't have to be like microphones. I think this is one of an audio technique. It's, it's a very good brand, not very expensive. You know, put put a little bit of money. Even before we were doing mics, we were doing uh, just the AirPods or, you know, mm-hmm. if you have the, the wired ones, just bring it close to you. Like people do that on camera too. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I mean, just going raw audio, a lot of the times you get so much of the feedback, the outer noise and everything, and it just makes it hard to concentrate on what you were even saying. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing you may need, and I probably should have mine on, is a screen. I am professionally trained. I pop my peas all the time. Just those little things will enhance. Now, mind you, I've got a really good audio engineer. So thank you, my wonderful (laughs) baby. Takes care of all that kind of stuff for me. But these are just little things that, you know, you need to be aware of. Have a nice background. Doesn't have to be extensive. Now, one thing about my background, and I'm working on it, I've moved into a new house. This room that I'm in is maple toronto maple leaf dark blue so one of the projects now that we're settled into the houses is my office will be painted in a lighter color so because it is very dark as a background and i do realize that so that that is one of the things that gets worked on in 2023 is repainting the office to a nice oh i haven't decided what color yet (laughs) it's definitely not going to be toronto maple leaf dark blue though i am from canada and i am from ontario so uh even though i'm not a hockey fan i do support toronto Woo, maple leaves but definitely as a color it's not a good background but these are all things that you just work on over time it doesn't not have to be perfect for you to start exactly 100%. So one thing I was curious about, because you talked about, you know, choosing the words, when you've only got about three seconds, what would you say would be, you know, the most important things that you've got to get into this hook? So, so from, from a psychological standpoint, you need to understand what makes people stop scrolling. So, you know, we, we gave the things that are core elements, right? Um, I believe that like, what I gave was more of like the psychology rather than the intangibles. But like, I believe that that's what most people miss. But when it comes to the first three seconds and putting it all together, mm-hmm. you can be like, I had the great lighting and I had this and I had this and I still didn't get the reach. Why didn't I get the reach? Because you didn't understand why somebody would actually not skip your video. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is the core element mm-hmm. of the three second hook. It's not, what am I going to say? It's not, why is it three seconds? It's not, why is it five seconds? It could be a second, right? Most people might not even waste the first, the full three seconds, but it's more or less, will somebody stop and watch this? Yeah. And you can go even further, right? On on Instagram, uh, TikTok and Facebook, especially uh, LinkedIn, I don't see it as much, right? But you have the save button and then you have the share button and then you have the stories function. And so you can take it a step further as to like, not only why would somebody stay, because if you if you go higher than that, if you go, why would somebody share this to their story, right? That's pretty high, right? Not yeah. only watching it, not only commenting, not only saving it, but now they're kind of endorsing you. And so if yeah. you can stop and think, would somebody actually put this on their story? That's some mm-hmm. really good content. It doesn't matter what it is. It's some really, really good content. And so if you can think of it that way and you can get people to actually share your content on their story, mm-hmm. then they will watch past three seconds regardless. <laughs> You know, there's no reason that they wouldn't. One thing I've done over the years, and I don't do it all the time, but every once in a while, if I'm working on something really important, I'll I'll go to a headline analyzer and Mm -hmm. I'll just start plunking in different headlines. And, you know, not that I want AI auto-generated, but it does give me 
sometimes a balance. It shows me some different things that are going on in that headline and why it wouldn't work. The other thing I've done too is um, I do research. So if I'm really not sure whether something's going to connect with people, I use LinkedIn a lot to put things out there. You know, hey guys, working on a new piece of content, not sure about the title for this one. What do you guys think? And you know, you put out three titles. Yeah. Free market research. Your audience is telling you what they want. Yeah. You're able to see the pattern. I'm telling you, that's that's the hardest thing that people, right? You, you could think I can put out this poll and see what it'll do the best. Most mm -hmm. people will ignore that and just be like, oh, I don't know what you want to put out. I think this one, I'm going to do this one, right? But if, if you're actually really able to see the pattern and be like, people are willing to give me their opinion for free, you know, then you can do yeah. it really well. And they feel honored that you're asking them to give yeah. you their opinion. Yeah. Which actually creates more loyalty. Yes. And and generally, it's it's not the one I would choose. It's really funny. It's yeah. not generally the one I would choose. But I then choose the one that obviously the audience likes the most. But they also give me feedback on it because I'll, I'll say, which one do you like the most and why? Mm -hmm. That why is a killer question because oh, yeah. they tell me why. And that that's what makes the difference. Now, we've only got a few minutes left here. And it says in your bio that you're an author. So first of all, tell me about your book. And then I've got a question that I ask every single author who comes on this show. Yeah, so we have uh, we have Brand Sharks. That's the official book. So one, I'm extremely busy, but I was looking to commit all the time and energy to write a book. And so I go to a publisher and they're like, you know, we think that you'll do it. But I think that you're probably looking at about a year, year and a half. And I was like, I know, man, but like, I really, I need to get something out there. I need a book. I need to tell a story, you know? And they're like, okay, well, why don't you just leverage other people's time? You know what I mean? And that way you, you can write less and you can, you can do a collaborative thing. And, you know, I mentioned Tools of Titan to him. And he's like, it's just like the book Tools of Titans, like the one that you just mentioned to me. And I was like, okay, I get exactly what you're saying. And so we wrote this collaborative book that's called Brand Sharks. And pretty much it not reinforces it encourages while reinforcing people that they should be going out and doing a personal brand through the stories of others and basically saying if, if I were to do it again here's what I've learned and here's what I've done and here's what you can learn from it and so the people that I picked it was cool because you know one when you start a project like this you start meeting a lot of people and so in this book the 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 ones that I really like mentioning are um you know we have people in Canada they're in this book I have one person in Germany he has a uh he has a Instagram account that basically recommends books and he has over 90,000 uh, people on that account. So he recommended it to his followers. He's given him some free press um, towards it, some recognition. Um, and it's been, it's been a really fun project that I've been able to work on. We're working on project or volume two right now, bringing in some new authors and stuff like that, different stories. And so the book, what it's done is it's given not only me, but everybody a platform mm -hmm. to one, call themselves authors, right? Which I'm sure you're, you're probably advocating as well, right? A lot of people yes. should become authors, right? They should have that identity shift mm -hmm. of regular person to author. And I think that that's yeah. something that, um, especially if you're looking at it from an investment standpoint, it is such an easy investment because most investments, you're like, I'm going to make an investment of so much for one to two years, right? You buy a couch, it's maybe a five to 10 year investment, right? You, you put an investment for a book, it's until you die. <laughs> you get that and title gone. until you die. It's an identity shift, right? Like, and you're, yep. you're basically, you're getting that, you're getting the ability to tell your story, to leave a legacy so much from it. So 
that that's that's pretty much what the book is about and um it's been called the number one book for young entrepreneurs i believe that was new york weekly uh, it was called the number one book for aspiring entrepreneurs by the la wire um and then it was me- uh, mentioned in forbes or it was featured in forbes as well wow that's so cool so here's the question i'm going to ask you and i've yeah. asked every other author on the show what was the good the bad the ugly about writing and publishing that book well, the good is the identity shift, like we said, right? We we see ourselves as normal people, and then you step into the identity of author, and you have to live up to that identity. Mm-hmm. And so now we, not only me, but everybody has this book that you can give out at conferences. You don't have uh, you don't have a business card anymore per se. You can just say, "Here's my book. Here's my book. Here's my book. Here's my book." And so that was the good. The bad is that you still have to dedicate time. You believe that you're writing this really great chapter and then it comes back all red. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You believe that. I'll stop you there for a sec because I do. I mean, I've written, our company's done over 200 books. I've probably personally written 150 of them. But even doing my own book, I sent it out to my editor. And when it came back all red, I'm like, yeah. And I'm a pretty good writer now, you mind feel you. Proud, right? You feel proud until you got it back and you're like, no. <laughs> well, the thing is, is uh, she's my best friend and she's brutally honest with me. Yeah. And, you know, with her, it's about making not just the book good. Because, I mean, my writing's already good. In fact, my writing's probably on almost great. But she wanted it excellent. Yeah. So even when you're yeah. a good writer, yeah, there's things always come more. back red. <laughs> yeah, there's always more. Uh, the ugly, the ugly people are going to be like, why is he saying that if he's a marketer, but the ugly is the promotion because you, you, like I said, you have to step into that identity and some people, even after they're an author, even after you have it, you're like, man, I'm going to give this thing away for free. And then I'm going to be judged on it. Right. And so you might stop yourself. And then the other thing is you have to give some of them away for free because you want to get the name to grow. And if you wait for everybody to buy one, it's going to take too long. Right. So then you're like, okay, well, how can I promote this? And then you're like, maybe I should do ads, but nobody's ever heard of you. So that's going to take time for you to become a well-known name. And so then you start learning about different things. You start learning about pre-orders. You start learning about like different ways that you could have promoted prior to that. But at the end of the day, all these things you can learn still are, not going to be your saving grace. The saving grace is you actually saying, I'm going to promote this book and I don't care if people judge me, but that is truly the ugly is that you have to get over yourself and say, I wrote a book and you know, whether people like it or not, here it is. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Ruben. If, if someone has really enjoyed this conversation today and they want to connect more with you, how can they get a hold of you? The best way I respond to Instagram more than I do even my own text messages so if they want to find me Instagram at I am Ruben Alvarez, that's it. Um, and I'm pretty much the same on all platforms. So if you want to find me, I am Ruben, no weird spelling, R-U-B-E-N Alvarez. <laughs> Just regular R-U-B-E-N. Oh, thank you so much. So this has been Ruben Alvarez and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you on the very next episode. Have a great day, everyone. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority Podcast. The 
extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.